Adam, you're the only Jew in the village, literally, in this show, I am aren't the you? Only Jew in the village, <laughs> yeah, on, on this particular production. Although Sam, one of Sam Mendes' parents, is Jewish. His mother, I believe, is right, Jewish. So he's um, Jewish then. But <clears throat> I mean, Sam's certainly not at all raised in the religion, uh, uh, and it was sort of a slightly at arm's length for me. So mm. I'm not that knowledgeable about it, but obviously culturally, mm. I, that's what I am. So did it help, though, having you two on board when you were making your way through? Because I gather that you sort of fashioned Stefano Messina's material between the four of you, I think. We Five did. of you. Yeah, ben yeah, Powers, ben of course, Powell, mainly. Uh, our wonderful dramaturg, Sam Mendes, and then the other cast members, Simon Russell Beale and Ben Miles. We did. Um, we also had um, wonderful input from a rabbi, Daniel Bernstein, who was our sort of advisor on all things to do with Judaism and Hebrew and religion. Um, so he was really the, the big help um, because he's intensely knowledgeable. And he also understood uh, in terms of things like pronunciation of Hebrew, how Jews from the, the Lehman brothers came from Rimpa, Bavaria. Uh, Henry Lehman came over in 1844. So the three Lehman brothers who sort of narrate this story, whenever they say anything in Hebrew, they would have said it in the accent and the pronunciation of that part of Germany at that time, which m may not be the way it's pronounced now. But Daniel was very um, knowledgeable about that and was able to really help us to be, because you, you want to be as sort of accurate and specific as possible with any piece of work. Um, but he, he also uh, told us that, that, you know, things do change and, and n nothing is really strict because no, uh, I guess we don't know how the Hebrew was pronounced back in the day, you know, mm. thousands of years ago. And like with Yiddish, it depends where you come from, mm. you, the sort of slang and the pronunciation. So uh, we did the best we could. Oh, I think you did brilliantly. I mean, I sort of noticed it was different. I right. wasn't sure until you what you t I heard you just now yeah, why, yeah. but it yeah. it wasn't American, obviously, yes. and I could, s could tell it wasn't standard Ashkenazi as I'm used to from the shtetl, let's say. Yes. So I d I'm impressed. Yeah, and that's you know that's really down to Daniel, and it was about uh, finding that authenticity of that time. He wrote a marvelous. He's written a marvelous um, essay in the program based yes. on a text from Jeremiah. Yeah. And it's a wonderful text saying, you know, when you go and live among other people, help you know, prosper yourselves and help them to prosper effectively. Yes. And that that's almost what, well, that is what the Lehman Brothers did, isn't it? Absolutely. And and he told us, and I think he mentions this in his essay, that you know, wh why are the Jews the chosen people? What are you chosen for? What are you chosen to do? And he said his understanding of it is that you, you know, uh, the, the, the I, I'm saying what he told me. I don't, I, I don't claim to have this knowledge myself. But from what he said, um, Jews, uh, when they go out into the world and out into communities, for whatever reason, they are chosen to improve that community. Mm -hmm. Yes, you can uh, improve your own lot but it is also incumbent upon you to improve the lot of those around you and your community and your society. And the Lehman Brothers in our play, they start off in Alabama, in Montgomery. And um, that's exactly what they did. They went there to provide service uh, uh, for their local community uh, and the world that they found themselves in at that time. Of course, they were also very much about improving their own lot uh, and, and did that very successfully and ultimately um, 
you know, you could say catastrophically. Yes. And, and of course, that hangs over the play, and you do start with it, so that it casts its shadow backwards. Sure. But, uh, but Everyone it, knows how this story mm, ends. Exactly, yeah. but, you know... It's only once that you get to not know how a Shakespeare play ends either, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. What I was sort of surprised by was, you know, you don't think of Jews in Alabama with yeah. cotton, and that was a big yeah. surprise. Yeah, it, it was. I, d I don't think anybody would have expected that. You sort of, the, the, the cliché images, you'll uh, go to New York um, or maybe Chicago or, you know, those big industrial northern towns. But, yeah, cotton was the gold, uh, the oil of its day. And uh, Henry was smart enough to figure out what is the, what is the thing that, that we can deal in. And at that time, it was cotton. So the South, Alabama, was where they went. It's interesting that and an awful lot of reviewers noticed this. I'm sure everybody does. That there is this, they, they're very much doing the Jeremiah thing we just talked about, the going forth and prospering and being in touch with the local community and with the commodities they're dealing with. Yes. And then it, in future generations, in the, you know, subsequent, let's call it, yes. from that first one in 1844 onwards, yeah. they, they sort of... Um, that it's more about the money. It's like a sort of becomes almost like not a gambling addiction, but there's money and power. Yes. It seems to, and there's not a hands-on feeling anymore. And I think that's really interesting and yes. upsetting, actually. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of the many themes in the play that Stefano Massini sort of homed in on. That as the you see uh, three or four generations of this family, and with each subsequent generation, they you see them lose touch with their spirituality with their roots with their sort of connection to community and increasingly their business uh, becomes about dealing just with not even with commodities just with money I'm just and going to say we've got an aeroplane going over it's almost as if it's commenting on what you're saying yeah. isn't it yeah. shall we just let it go we'll let it go yeah. don't want to waste our time but I see only we've got we should say we're high up in the National Theatre in a lovely office for the beautiful terrace and we need the doors open, but of course that's the problem when planes go by. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, I was saying that, that that's very much one of the themes of the play, they, that how they, through subsequent generations and, and the decades and over the years, they lose connection with community and with their sp uh, spiritual mm. core. The brothers come over and they're quite orthodox. Um, but it gradually gets filtered down. And uh, you can take from that what you will, but it's that loss of connection with their essential spirituality, with their humanity, with their community, that is seen as uh, where the danger lies. Yeah, and, and it's sort of beautifully expressed by there are sort of more prayers and then there are fewer prayers, although you go back to the prayers all the time. Yes. And, and, of course, you there's a lot of sitting shiver because obviously people are going to die yeah. if you're going through the generation. But that, again, it sort of telescopes down from the eight days, oh, we should say for anyone listening who isn't you, that's the eight days of mourning when you sit, shiver, you sit every night and the community comes to you Yes. and, and you're supposed to just be, you know, sort of thinking about the way, you know, well, yeah. spirituality, I think. A period and of mourning. A period of mourning and yeah. it's really important. And yeah, and it starts out as, as uh, weeks and then becomes days and then becomes minutes and then mm. disappears completely and he uses that as the sort of little metaphor for their disconnection from their spiritual core. Mm. When we say they, I and mean, I, we haven't said it yet, that that's, we've talked quite a lot about what, 
We should talk about the how. I mean, people would be really surprised to hear there are three of you playing, well, probably read about it by now, but three of you playing so many different parts, so many different generations, and on the continent in previous productions, there was a cast of however many, wasn't there? Yeah. And, uh, so, first of all, uh, muzzled off, I should say, on Thank doing you. it so brilliantly. You may, oh, incidentally, you make an absolutely gorgeous flirty girl. Thank you very much. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and and, and uh, a, a very wonderfully irritating child. Well done on that too. Yes. yes. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, the, the play originally was, was very long. I think between five and seven hours long um, with, with a huge cast of characters over, over all these decades and years. Um, and it was really Sam's idea. They workshopped this play for a year at the National. And Sam struck upon this absolutely brilliant notion of just having three, the three original Lehman Brothers come back the night before Lehman Brothers is shut down in 2008 and tell the story of how the firm started and what it began as. And, and so we play all of the characters, all the wives, all the children, all the grandchildren, everybody they came into contact with. Um, we get to play, which is, of course, great fun for actors, great challenge for the actors. And we only use whatever we can find in the 2008 Lehman Brothers office. So we make great use of those uh, very sort of striking, the very striking images and photographs mm. of the collapse of Lehman Brothers in 2008. Those boxes. Those boxes. All those workers mm. leaving with their possessions in those mm. little boxes. So we have a, a whole raft of those boxes on the set and we construct everything we need out of those boxes. We just use, uh, for instance, we write on the glass walls of the set. Um, it's a marker we, pen, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> and we just use a marker pen because that's what there would be in the office. And the rehearsal process was a great sort of boiling down of how, how can we tell this story effectively using as little as possible. And that's been the sort mm. of guiding principle for how we, how we made this production and wanted to tell this story. Yes, and you don't really change your clothes. I mean, I, you know, when I said you were playing women and children, yeah. people are going to think, oh, you know, we're going to see sort of weird costume changes. There aren't yeah. any. You just literally pick up your collar and pick up your lips. Yeah, you, yeah. Don't you? I mean, we, again, a part of this process of finding how can we do the most with the least. And, uh, w w you know, w so it was a wonderful opportunity for us to play with that and explore. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and this is what we ended up with as, as, as a way to tell this story. And it's also a very efficient way of telling a story. It, 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 although the play is three hours long with two 15-minute intervals, um, everybody says it just whizzes mm. by. And certainly for us playing it, because as the minute we walk on, we don't, we don't finish until, until it's over. So for us, it goes very quickly. Uh, and hopefully for the audience, and that, that's certainly the feedback we've gotten. But I think this way of telling a story, we don't have to wait. You don't have to wait while somebody changes costume or another character comes on stage. Everything can flow very organically, and it becomes like a sort of dance, and like a kind of, almost like a, um, a mantra. And uh, I think there's no, there's no pause for breath. So by the time the curtain comes down, y y hopefully your, your, your concentration has been held and your interest has been held because there's not been a moment where it dips. Yeah, you don't dare. You don't dare no. lose concentration. But, you know, what a feat for you, three, to learn it, to do it again and again and again, and presumably rehearsed it for... How long did you rehearse? We rehearsed for eight weeks here mm. at the National, which is one of the great glories of this building, um, where everything and all the resources in this building are put into just giving you what you need to create something as good as possible. 
uh, it is the people's theatre and you know the people deserve the best and this building is about trying to deliver that in the most efficient way it can so um, you know we have this incredible team of stage management mm -hmm. and the designers and the wonderful designers Devlin and lighting and projection and all these people who you never see or hear who, who go into making this production what it is. One other person you really do hear and that's Candida, yes, your fantastic pianist, Candida Caldicott. Yeah. Incredible. We were incredibly lucky we were sitting right near her. Yes. So we could have been her page turners almost. Yeah, she's the fourth member that. of the cast <laughs> and she, the uh, music uh, underscoring was composed throughout the rehearsal process for this play and she's sitting uh, just off stage in the audience at a piano and she plays non-stop mm. for three hours for every performance and she does it live and she's a really incredible and a beautiful pianist and uh, I think you know the score has been, has been really beautifully and developed. And we better name check the writer of the score. Yes, so our brilliant composer mm. Nick Powell um, who was in rehearsal room the whole time and he's taken influences from all sorts of places. A lot of the music will sort of feel familiar, but um, it's all original composition and Candida gets to play it live every night. She's just very nice to have that female presence, actually. Yeah, mm. it's very important. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it does give, obviously it's not a silent film, but it mm. sort, sort of does hark back to the cinema they would have lived through the birth of, in a way, doesn't it? Yeah, it gives the whole thing a sort of a period, grounds mm. it in a certain kind of, with a certain kind of period feel. Let's just go back to the, um, the, the Jewish feel of it, because there are, the prayers come up quite a lot, and there's a lot of these repetitions that Baruch Hashem is really mm. a noticeable, you know, sort of blessed be God, yes. or the name, in fact, because one doesn't say yeah. God, one just says Hashem. And th right. But you, you actually, as you say, you've all learned to say it most beautifully. Yeah. Um, well, we recite mm. a, a section of the Kaddish. Yeah, you as do well. Kaddish, that's right, the, yeah. the, which is the prayer that mourners say. It yeah. doesn't actually mention the dead. And it's, it's constantly referred to, the Kaddish, and the, uh, the growing of the beard and the rituals mm. of the way we pronounce it is Shiva and Shlaushim. Mm. Um, and that it, it's a constant theme throughout the play. Yeah, and I was going to say you, the, we, the costume that you all keep, uh, yeah. these frock coats. Yes. Thank goodness the Olivier Auditorium, I think, has got air conditioning done. We're very grateful. <laughs> yeah, they're brilliant costumes, mm. and and uh, we're basically wearing sort of 19th century mm. European black garb, and we stay in that. That doesn't change throughout the play. Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, the other two are bearded like the pard, to quote as you like it, aren't they? You're not. Um, yeah. But it's not because you get to play all the girls and young men, although you yeah. are the youngest brother. Yeah. Uh, but it, that does give that sort of, you, the, the idea that Jews tend to be bearded is there, isn't it? Yes, it is. And it's, uh, I think when you look at them with the, you know, you look at Simon and Ben in the beards with those coats, it, it definitely is a very sort of striking image and a very familiar one. And all those old photographs that we all have of our, grandparents and great-grandparents, that they, they all have beards. Just to have a tiny bit more on your upbringing. Where I grew Yes, up. yeah. So you, you actually grew up in Hertfordshire. In Hertfordshire, mm. yes. Mm. Um, near Watford was the nearest big town. I went to school in Northwood. And, um, yeah, it was a very happy childhood, wonderful parents, um, who are, are sadly not with us anymore. Mm. Um, They'd have loved this, wouldn't they? Yeah, they would have. Yeah. And uh, I was, you know, my father uh, very sadly passed away just before we started rehearsing. So I was able to sort of dedicate this play to him. And I was very grateful to have this sort of production and this particular play to sort of 
work on and concentrate mm. on. Um, it, it felt kind of right and kind of meant in a way. Yes, I suppose it must have. I, mean, I know it's a horrible thing. I'm not saying it helped you to get into character, but the resonance was there for you at this sad time. Yeah, yeah. With, yeah, all this, you know, sure. with the shiver and all the rest of it. And, yeah. it and also that feeling of being part of generations passing, I suppose. Yes, and that, uh, you know, I guess for most of us, you know, our, our ancestors, they did come from Europe, you know, Central Europe. Um, so all that felt sort of familiar and uh, kind of strangely comforting in a way to be working on a piece that deals with and examines all of this. So you were mitzvah in... Pinna, mm. Pinna Synagogue, yeah. um, many, many years ago. Do you remember um, anything about it? I, <laughs> the portion uh, you had, for example. I don't remember that. Um, no, uh, I wasn't a very good student um, oh. ab about that stuff. But, uh, yeah, you know, I guess it, it makes you feel connected to something. Mm. But you're culturally very Jewish, aren't you? Yeah, mm. you know, my family is very... My, my grandfather on my father's side was a husin. A canton, yeah. really? Yeah. Ah, that's and where it comes from. Then. Yeah, and my great-grandfather, his father, mm. wrote some very famous music. Really? Um, I, I don't know that much about it, but so, so I do know that, that uh, a couple of generations back, the family is very, very deeply rooted in, in mm. the religion. Do you know, that's really exciting. There's a play in there somewhere yeah, with I music. There is. There is. You yeah. need to search your family tree. You know, know that who am I thing they have on the television. That yeah. should be you. Uh, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, but of course you wonder with, with the Holocaust and everything how far one's able to go back and what records there are. I mean, so much was obliterated, so um, it's tricky. And of course, as older members of one's family pass on, you lose mm. that, that, the knowledge that they have. Yes, you certainly do. My mother has dementia, so we've yeah. anything I've not asked her so far, I'm not going to find out. Yeah, mm. and all you can mm. say is, you know, if you have elderly relatives mm. around, ask them lots of questions. And record the answers. And record the answers. Mm. The resonance for the play, for not just Jews, I mean, the whole idea of immigration. I mean, they were the lucky ones, the ones who got to America before the Holocaust, of course. Which yeah, yeah. I mean, the Lehman Brothers mm. went, got there, Henry Lehman got there in 1844, mm. so it was way before of that. And they were, they, they weren't fleeing persecution, they were e economic migrants. Um, America was this sort of golden land, the land of opportunity. You know, un undoubtedly they would have encountered uh, anti-Semitism there, but... You know, they were able, using their skills and their brains and their talents, to make something, literally make something out of nothing mm. and create an empire. Yeah. And they, one of them, at least, went on to be, have a, go into politics, yes. didn't they? So Herbert Lehman. Yeah, yes, yeah, tell us became, about that. Governor of New York, mm. um, w which is in itself an, an extraordinary achievement. And he's the character in the play who really questions the morality of the way the business is going where it becomes very focused on profit mm. and less focused on people. And he's the one who puts his hand up and says, I, I have a problem with that. Mm. So he sort of splits from the family. What year is that? The 1920s, was it? That, I guess, would have been the 1920s, mm. yeah. So it's just before the Wall the Street crash. crash. Yes, which is yeah. the other terrible event. Yes, and the Wall Street crash is, is uh, commented heavily on in the mm. play. And you see how the Lehmans dealt with it and how they responded to it. And... Of course, the parallels are undeniable mm. and very, very obvious with what happened in 2008 and how businesses and governments responded to the crash. Mm. Uh, the resonances for today will include two vital things, waves of refugees and how welcome they are or are not and what they do or do not 
contribute mostly yeah. if they if you give any refugee doesn't have to be a Jewish refugee any yeah. refugee given half a chance will contribute I met a, a woman yesterday who been given um, a sanctuary with a, fam a Jewish family here and she wants to train as a midwife so whether she goes back to Syria yeah. or stays here she's going to really contribute isn't she yeah. and yet and yet well, look, you know, look at the movements against immigrants uh, yeah you know and and of course America is a country that's built created by immigrants I, either you know in the south enforced or, or or voluntary and that's where the energy comes from in, in a society and uh, it, it seems certainly to me absolutely baffling that y you should be anti-immigrant it's the engine and the energy for an economy and a country you know economically culturally in all sorts of ways that's very much, again, what the play is about. It is. Mm. It's at, at its heart, it's an immigrant story, and they happen to be Jewish immigrants, but they could have been from anywhere, and I think that's something any community hopefully can identify with. People coming into a land with nothing, apart from hope and energy, and, and does the society provide opportunity, or, or at least provide a landscape where there is the possibility of opportunity. It's not handed to the Lehmans. They fought for it. Um, they had enormous setbacks, but they hung in there. Um. Now, of course, we are in the middle of the massive row with the Labour Party and anti-Semitism, which I feel I have to touch on, really more because of that that thing, which, again, you're the, Rabbi Daniel does comment on it mm. in his programme note. You get too successful, and then people get suspicious, and they start accusing you of of, you know, sort of the, being the Jewish cabal or whatever it is. Mm. But that could happen to any co community, I guess. I mean, we're, you know, it could be Muslims, it could be anyone, couldn't it? Yeah, it's like <laughs> uh, Daniel Bernstein mentions in his article, I think, about the, the, the sort of anti-Semitism being the canary mm. in, the, in the mine. It's, it's the first one, um, often the first one, that, that will come rearing its ugly head. Mm. And uh, you have to look at what follows after that. How much do you know about Stefano Mussini? Because he seems to be steeped in Jewish knowledge and he speaks perfect Hebrew, but I couldn't work out whether he's actually Jewish or not. He's not. My understanding is he's not Jewish. Um, I, I assume he's Catholic, but that may just be a wrong assumption on my part. Um, but my understanding is that the, he grew up in a, in a part of, uh, I think it was Rome, uh, that was very Jewish, so so he sort of grew up with it, and he, he is obviously very knowledgeable about it and very interested in it. Um, he came to see the play. He'd never been to England before. Oh, he came to see it here. Yeah, he came to see a preview. Um, he's an, he's an extraordinary man. I mean, you read this play or see this play, and you 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 have to know that it's come out of the head of somebody who is not your average Joe. He's not a regular human being. He's an extraordinary. Uh, mind uh, and an extraordinary creative spirit, but he he came to see a preview. He gave the show his blessing, and we were all obviously thrilled to meet uh, the source of our of our, our wonderful play. And he liked the, the, it being pared down to three actors and yeah. being shorter. Yeah, he did. Um, I, I know that Ben Power, our dramaturg, had been in touch with him, so I'm sure he was aware of how we were doing the play. But obviously, you're nervous until he sees it. But he he seemed. Um, thrilled and so we were in return thrilled ourselves did I read did I read your parents were very involved were quite involved in the local community the maybe the Jewish community but they they did quite a lot of charitable work I'm sure I've read that somewhere they, they did they were they were very um, imbued with a spirit of that it was their duty to 
to work charitably. So my mother was very involved back in the 70s, this would have been, with the UN a commission on getting refuseniks out of the Soviet Union. These were people who were refused permission to leave the Soviet Union because they were Jewish and they wanted to leave it because they were Jewish and being persecuted and not allowed to practice. Yeah, so she campaigned. She was a magistrate and a lecturer and she, she campaigned a lot and very heavily on, on their behalf at the UN. Um, she was a member of WEDSO. Oh, right. Yes. Women, no, Women's International Zionist Organization. Is that right? Yeah, yes. and I think both my parents felt a very uh, a strong commitment to the state of Israel and everything it represented for that generation. Yes, and which was particularly that refuge for, for these refuseniks. And so she, did she go to Russia? She didn't. She never actually went, um, but, uh, but she was heavily involved, and I remember her you know, writing letters and attending mm. meetings and lobbying people about it. Well, that, that's amazing. And she would have done that from your... You know, when you say she was a magistrate, was she a magistrate in London or in London. locally? Yeah. yeah, she was a magistrate in London. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, just had a very strong sense of service to mm. community and to her, her immediate community and her wider community. Yeah. And your dad? My dad was a solicitor. And, um, but he was also um, involved in things. I think I heard that in the Six Day War, I think it was that one, he, he, because he'd been in the army in the Second World War, so he, he went and volunteered. Um, I think ultimately they didn't need him. Uh, he was probably <laughs> too old, but uh, that was his instinct to do that. Um, so, yeah, they felt, both felt a very strong commitment towards the state of Israel. So how did you get into acting? Again, I, ha I really have to thank my dear mother. I, I think when I was a small kid, I didn't really apply myself at school. I was hopeless at sport. I wasn't very sort of physically confident. And uh, I think my mum my, my particularly just thought there's got to be something. So uh, I, we went to drama club, me and my brother, my older brother, Simon. Where? Uh, in Stanmore. Stella Greenfield. Good for Stella. Shout for out Stella. for her. <laughs> Stella Greenfield. And uh, I just took to it like a duck to water. And I thought, finally, this is something I, I can do. And I think I, I like it. And I, I seem to be, you know, okay at it. So it immediately started to give me confidence. And, and from that moment on. So I started acting very young from the oh, age of nine. nine. Wow. Well. Yeah. And I first worked in this building on this stage. Um, almost 40 years ago. In a Simon Gray play directed a child. by Harold Pinto as a child actor. So this building for me, you know, I've worked here many times, but it's been a huge part of my life. Um, I'm very grateful for that.